turn in your Bible. Let's just begin. I'll quote some scriptures, but turn to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation 12 and 1 John uh, chapter 1, Revelation 12 and 1 John chapter 1. And while you're, while you're turning there, I will kind of get us going. In fact, today, unless something supernatural takes place between now and next Sunday, today is the conclusion uh, of uh, this series called Awakening the Warrior Within. Uh, and our keynote verse and I want us all to read it together. We've kind of, I've just quoted it a little, but I want us to get this sealed, especially on this last Sunday of this series. Joel chapter three, uh, verse nine and 10. Now, before we read it out loud together, let me just say, remember, this is a last day's declaration of the responsibility of the church. And so the, the spirit of the Lord moved upon the prophet Joel. And here's what he said. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men. And let me just stop and say, ladies, that includes you. Don't feel bad that you didn't say, wake up all the mighty men and women or the mighty women. Uh, it's, it's, hey, it's for all of us. Amen. Everyone say, amen. Wake up the mighty men. Ladies, maybe it's because the mighty women are already awake. There's a positive spin there, right? All the ladies said amen. Wake up the mighty men. In fact, let me just pause being as I'm the pastor. I can do about whatever I want. I don't know that I've ever seen a woman asleep in church. I'm just thinking about that. Have You I, You may have if you have. That's just. Uh, but, you know, I have seen a few men fall asleep in church. All the ladies say, I think you're right, preacher. <laughs> See my little brain. I'm getting older, and so sometimes it, 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 when it thinks something, the mouth just wants to talk about it. How many of you know it's better just to think before you speak? See, I kind of speak while I'm thinking, and that gets you in trouble. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, I'm just trying to help the ladies here this morning. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, everyone say it, I am strong. Say it again. I am strong. Let's all read this together. Are you ready? And read it as though you were up here and you realize you can't sound mamby-pamby. You got to sound like you know what you're talking about. You got to sound like you're full of the Holy Ghost, okay? Uh, I don't know about you, but you don't want a preacher talking who doesn't sound like he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So you, hey, put yourself in my place. Let's all read it together. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I am. Here we go. Everyone together. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty man. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Now lay your hand on your heart and say, Lord, open up my heart to hear what you have to say to me today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 
I love what this passage says. It says, let them beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. In other words, in this last hour, we need weaponry that is effective. You know, if you can take something that's ineffective as a weapon and turn it into a weapon, you've done something rather uh, uh, accomplished. And so we've been talking about the weapons of our warfare. And we know according to Scripture, that the, the New Testament, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but they're mighty through God's, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, maybe 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so the weaponry we've been talking about has great authority and power, and we can wield the weapons of war and find ourselves at a place of real victory. And that's where we want to conclude today in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Another prophetic uh, verse, but these verses, in fact, if you're there, I'm going to start in verse 7. I'm going to show you one of the biggest uh, between verses uh, span of time that there probably is in Scripture, uh, and I'll show it to you in a moment. We're going to talk about the warrior's witness today, and and it's and that is certainly, as you'll see in just a moment, a real weapon of war in the spiritual conflict that we find ourselves involved in. Verse 7, Revelation 12. And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Now stop, when was this? This is not a prophecy of the future. This is a declaration of what happened in the past. Even before creation. Who knows as far as time goes. And how many of you know Satan used to be an angel of light and he fell from heaven because he rebelled against God. This is John the Revelator. He's speaking about what happened in that in the heavens prior to creation at whatever time we could put on that. Uh, it says this, war broke out in heaven. And then it says in verse 8 about the devil and his angel, devil and his demons and the dragon, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. Somebody say amen. That serpent of old called the who? The devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Now, I just got to stop. This is not my notes. But I'm telling you, the world we live in is deceived by the devil. There's great deception in the world. That's his forte. And it says he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. We would call them demons today. And then I heard a loud voice say, now, here we go. Here's, here's. That all happened in heaven sometime before creation. And then the next verse, the next two verses, uh, well, after verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That's verse 10. And then verse 11. Now, the first three verses, our first four verses I read to you happened at some time in our past, in, in eternity's past. And then verse 11 jumps way ahead of us to wherever the end of the days are. And he says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Now we know for, 
for sure that he's jumped already past the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Everyone say the word of our testimony. And then it says, and they love not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and in the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So then he jumps back into the present, kind of, in a way, because the devil's here harassing us, but he throws in, how many of you appreciate verse 11? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. If you appreciate him throwing that part in, somebody say amen because that gives us hope in our future because what happened on Calvary's cross has set us up it's a great setup you've been set up for a victory amen and so today I want to kind of take it apart a little bit and show you some key parts of this verse and then just kind of get us positioned in a place where we can begin to partner with what Christ has already done for us on the cross. Amen. It says, and they overcame him. They undoubtedly is the church. That is us. If you look at the totality of history as we know it from a biblical standpoint, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's all been about Jesus. If you're with me, say amen. It's all been about, it's all been about what Christ would do on Calvary's cross. And I think it, I think it's very important for us to see this verse that, that the cross did what it needed to do for ultimate victory on planet earth and throughout all eternity. Amen. They, the church. In fact, what did Jesus say about the church even before the church's birthday? I love this. Jesus was a prophet. He spoke the future. He said this in Matthew 16, verse 18. He said, upon this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus declared it, and then we we look forward to the future prof- prophecy about the future in eternity, and that it, it is an, an indeed true, the church was victorious, and is victorious, and will be victorious. And everybody said, Amen. They overcame Him. Who's Him? Well, verse 7 and uh, 8 and 9, talk about Him. It's the great dragon, the devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, uh, the, the accuser of the brethren. They, the church, overcame the devil. How did they overcome the devil? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Let me show you this word here because uh, have you ever heard this, and especially if you come from maybe a Pentecostal background uh, that people pray and they see a problem and they said, I plead the blood over that. Like the, like the blood is a weapon against the, the devil. Uh, and I, I find no, uh, I, I don't want to point a, a negative thought to that, but here's what you and I need to realize. 
The word by does not mean uh, as we overcome the devil by pleading the blood over our circumstances and situations. The little word by means on account of or because of. In other words, it's not something we wield against the devil today in order to get victory. It's we, we realize and because of Calvary's cross, we can, by the word of our testimony, agree with what has already been done on the cross. That is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. How many of you know when he died, his blood was shed, but when he rose, uh, he came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. What did he say in Revelation 1? He said, I got the keys. Here am I. I'm the one who is. I'm the great I am, so on and so forth. I have the keys of death and hell. He was and is and will always be victorious. Somebody say amen. And when we realize that, it gives us an undergirding, if you will, of the word of our testimony. We're testifying, if you will, to the reality that the cross of Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel of God, has in fact been made real in our life and brought us to a place of victory over sin Satan, sickness, and all that other junk that goes along with it. Are you with me? Say another amen. In fact, I love what the pulpit commentary says about this verse, especially about this word by. It says the blood of the lamb was the ground or the reason of victory, not the instrument of their victory. It was why they were victorious. It was the foundation from which the church is uh, goes out into a world with the word of their testimony. Our foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And so I love that. The blood of the lamb is not the weapon, but the blood of the lamb is the reason we have a weapon. And so let me just show you some things about this power of the blood of Jesus. In fact, I love, oh, there's so many wonderful songs. In fact, let's do a little quiz question. Let me just, this is not my notes. Uh, songs about the blood. Oh, there's old songs about the blood. There's new songs about the blood. Who can, if you got a song about the blood of Jesus, lift your hand and tell me. Yes, Patsy. There's power in the blood. That's an old hymn. There is power, power, a wonder working power in the blood, in the blood of the Lamb. I'm loving that, man. Get out your hymnal. Somebody else. Oh, come on. One song? Yes. Huh? Oh, the blood of Jesus. It's a, it's a more of a chorus that it's a more mod. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's a good one. Somebody else. Come on, you old hymn, hymn singers. Yes. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I could keep going on that one. Oh, precious is the flow. Beverly, come on, can't you think of one? There's another one or two. I'll give somebody a hint, Andre Crouch. The blood will never lose its power. Woo! Man, I'm telling you. Oh, gosh, the blood that, that gives me strength from day to day. Oh, it will never, never lose its power. Here's one. There is a fountain filled with blood 
drawn from Emmanuel's veins. I want to apologize to our Facebook family today for all my verbose singing. But I'm telling you, there is power in the blood. You don't have to plead the blood. It's, we already, hey, we've been washed in the blood. Are you with me? Say amen. So let me give you some bullet points about this power in the blood. Number one, the blood of Jesus has redeemed us. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. It was the price he paid so we could come back to him. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1 says we are not redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats and calves like in the Old Testament, which was, remember, it was a, it was a, the New Testament concealed. It was a type and a shadow. We weren't redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats that they had to slay over and over and over again. But you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Are you with me? We've been redeemed. Oh, I could sing a song about that. I've been redeemed <laughs> by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. Oh, man, I just better stop. We, The blood of Jesus redeemed us. The blood of Jesus cleansed us. Revelation 1.5, to him who washed us from our sins in his own blood. If you go back to Isaiah, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins will be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. How'd that happen? Because of the blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus redeemed us, cleansed us, and restored us. Now, that's huge today. The blood of Jesus restored us, Hebrews 10, 19, that says we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. In other words, listen carefully. Uh, we, we were separated from God and we couldn't come into his presence, but the blood of Jesus redeemed us and bought us back and cleansed us and restored us into right relationship with God. And we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. Amen. And then, gosh, number four, the blood of Jesus pardoned us. Now, Jesus said this in verse 26, in through, uh, chapter 26, verse 28. He said, he took the cup, he said, this is my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now, that word remission means pardon. For the pardon of sin. Have you, have you ever seen, hey, surely you have, uh, that, that governors and even presidents have the power to pardon people and they just get, it's almost, it's like a get out of jail free card. It is a get out of jail free card. The cool thing about the pardon, if I understand it correctly, if the governor pardons you and you're in prison or if the president pardons you, what actually happens is you're, you're a criminal record actually gets expunged, if that's the correct term. It's no longer on record. And when people search you out to see if you've been ugly, rude, and crude, and socially unfittable, you have no criminal record because you have been pardoned. That's what the blood of Jesus did for you. And then, of course, as we saw in Revelation 12, the blood of Jesus defeated the enemy for us. There is power in the blood. 
But here's what you and I need to realize about our victory, about this, uh, this, this prophetic verse about our future. This is a, this is a prophecy about your future. A lot of people want to know, uh, I want, I want to know the future. How many of you, sometimes you, you say, I want to know the future. And then when it's here, you wish, man, I wish I'd have never known that. Because some of you, your future, if you'd have known that was going on, you wouldn't want to know it was coming, right? We want to know our future. Let me tell you the church's future. We overcome. We are victorious because of, by reason of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and the fact that we don't love our lives unto death. In other words, we love Him more than we love life itself. And so it's a partnership today. The blood of Jesus was shed over 2,000 years ago and there's still power in the blood. There's still a fountain filled with blood. We still have the, 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 the truth and the, and the, and, and the validation that His blood will never lose its power. But we have the responsibility in the day that we live in, in the age of the church, to do our part in this victory over old slewfoot, old split hoof, old smoky horns, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the serpent of old. We have to do our part. And that is the word of our testimony. I love what Je- what did, what was Jesus' last words on planet earth? Say it out loud. It is finished. Everyone say it out loud. Oh, louder. Come on, the Facebook folks need to hear you. Jesus' last words. Say it out loud. Now, I have a feeling that when he said that, he meant it. He didn't get to heaven and go, oops, I forgot something. In other words, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was his responsibility, his final responsibility uh, in order to, uh, to provide us the capacity, the way and the means uh, to, to experience victory, not only in this life, but in all of eternity. He did his part. Everyone say it out loud. Almost shout it. Three last words of Jesus. It is finished. Period. That's his part. Our part is the word of our testimony. They overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, are you in first, did you go to first John? Or if you're there, go to first John. I want you to see this. First John, it's not very far. John hits some things pretty stout. The first four verses of the first chapter, I want you to follow with me. It says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Everyone say, which we've heard. In other words, somebody spoke something. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Everyone say, seen with our eyes. That which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The word of life, of course, is Jesus. The life was manifest and we have seen, oh, and catch these three words, and bear witness and declare to you 
that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Everyone say, that which we have seen, and that which we have heard, we declare it to you. In other words, there's a word of testimony here that is required. We declare it to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you that your joy might be full. And, and so we see that there is a necessity here of a declaration. You aren't born again. You don't come into the family of faith by being a good boy or girl. You don't come into the family of faith by going to church and, and, and being sweet and not smoking and chewing or going with the girls that do. You don't get to heaven because mom and daddy went to church. You get to heaven because according to the word of God, you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. It says, and when you heard the gospel, what's the gospel? Jesus died. This is what we're talking about. That's what's already been finished. He died, was buried and rose again the third of day, the third day, and then ultimately ascended to the right hand of the father. That's the gospel of Jesus. And the Bible says when you hear that and believe that and confess him as the Lord and the leader of your life and confess that he died for you and that he rose again for you, uh, guess what? You are born again. Somebody say amen. That's how you get born again. You don't even get born again by being sorry for your sin. Now it's good to be sorry for your sin. But it's better to be to be to have a godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. To where and what is repentance? Being sorry for your sin? No, repentance is turning away from your old sin life and turning to the cross of Christ and the fact that He died for you and He rose again the third day that you could have new life too. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here we find John saying this. Listen, uh, we we. We, we heard the gospel. Uh, we saw with our eyes and our, our, our hands have actually handled it. Man, we've experienced this firsthand. And now what we heard, what we've seen, what was manifest and made real to us, we're declaring it to you so you can experience the same thing we've experienced. And guess what? You'll have what we have. Joy, joy, joy in your soul. Whoo. Because you're not going to hell. <laughs> Anybody want to go to hell? Amen. Hey, we're going to heaven. Smile now and look at somebody and say, because of Jesus, we're on our way to heaven. Amen. It's a, it's a happy day. But, but see the necessity of the word of our testimony. In fact, he says it again. If you go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, and we have seen and testified. In other words, we're talking, we're telling the word of our testimony. We've seen and we testify. The Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Amen. What's he testifying to? The gospel. Beverly and I, as I said a, a couple of weeks ago, we got to hear Raman Parsa, who was born again. He's, he's from Iran. He was born again as a uh, family devout Muslims. And I told you the story. And, and as he was sharing with us, he said, listen, Here's what we need to keep saying. It's just the simple gospel. It's just the simple gospel. 
It's the simple gospel. It's simple. The gospel. Hey, you look at this Bible, sometimes you get overwhelmed. Oh, look at all that. I don't understand all this, all that. Let me start you. Let me break it down one more time. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It's about types and shadows. All the law was just to show the children of Israel that there's no way you can obey God in your own strength. You get over to the New Testament, you realize, man, I did, I can't work for it. I just have to trust God for it. I have to have faith. Uh, uh, hey, we're justified, declared righteous, just just as if I'd never sinned by faith in the finished work of Christ. What is the finished work of Christ? It's the cross. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb because of the cross and the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And they love not their, they, and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Now quickly, let me just say this to you. Let me give you some kind of bullet points about an effective testimony. You've heard people say, well, I just gave my testimony. It's the story. You're testifying to some things about what Christ has done for you. And before I get into these, I think I've got five or six. Before I get into these six little quick thoughts, let me just say this. Your testimony, uh, regardless of what he delivered you from and what he brought you to, listen, the, 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 the crux of the whole thing is, is what he did for you on Calvary's cross. Amen. So with that in mind, number one, just affirm, I've already done it, I'll do it again. An effective testimony, number one, is vital. It's absolutely necessary. Everyone say absolutely necessary. It's an effective testimony, a declaration of your faith in the finished work of Christ. Let me show you this. In case you've forgotten, go over to Romans chapter 10 for just a moment. Let me show you this one more time. And In fact, Romans 10 has a whole lot to do with the gospel. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? In other words, in order to believe... You gotta hear. In order to hear, what does it go on to say? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Some people think the preacher is me. All of us are preachers. That just really means declarers, testifiers. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. There it is, the good news. Who brings glad tidings of good things. That's what First John said just a few moments ago. So we see that preaching, declaring, testifying, your testimony of what the cross has done for you, what the, what, what the blood of Jesus has done for you and for me. It's vitally necessary. People won't be born again by your smiling face or your handsome good looks. Are you with me? Everybody said amen. So an effective testimony in these last days, if we're going to be victorious over the enemy, we got to begin to lift our voice. It's vitally necessary in order for people to be born again. Number two, it's viable. The word viable means capable, capable of working successfully. Acts chapter two is a great picture of this. It says this, when Peter gets up and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you can read it. Peter didn't go back and dig holes and go back to the, his, well, he, Peter didn't get up there and say, let me tell you about the day 
when I denied the Lord. Oh, it was a terrible day. I was a terrible person. You ever heard anybody testify that way? They talk 20 minutes about how terrible it was. Really, they're kind of talking about how good sin was. You know what I'm saying, man, I used to do this. I used to do that. Oh, and I did this and I did that. Talk 15, 20 minutes and finally say, and then I asked Jesus in my heart, amen. It's not about all the bad things you've done. It's about what he's done for you. Somebody say, amen. Acts 2, and Peter gets up. He doesn't go dig holes in the basement. He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, it says then when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They heard the word. What does Hebrews say about the word? It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God will cut to the heart. And they cried out, what must we do to go to church? No, they, they cried out, what must I do to join Right Now Media? No, they didn't do that. What must I do to be a part of the church? No, they said, what must we do to be saved when they heard the gospel? I love what Isaiah 55 says. You don't need to turn there. You can write this down. But Isaiah 55, he's, he's talking about the power of his word. He says this in verse 10. He gives a great illustration. And we, we certainly will understand this here. For as the rain comes down. <laughs> Is that humorous to anybody? We've had a lot of that. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. We don't know much about that. And do not return there. In other words, the rain doesn't come down and go back. Snow doesn't go back up. For as the rain comes down and the snow comes down and does not return there, but waters the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. There's his illustration. He said, just like that happens, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And I could keep going. But what's he saying here? The word of God doesn't return void. The word of God is power, powerful. Just like water comes down and doesn't go back up. It waters the earth and causes things to grow and bloom and fruit to begin to make manifest and food and seed for the sower and all those wonderful things. That's the way my word works in people's hearts. Amen. So it's vital. It's viable. It works. Everybody say it works. Let me ask you, why are you here today? Because the gospel works for you. You heard the gospel and it works. Amen. But not only is it Vital and viable, but it has to be visible. The power of the gospel is not just in our words only. We'll talk about that, but it has to be visible. Acts chapter 4, uh, as Pentecost, as the church began to grow, Acts 4, there was a resistance. The resistance from the religious order of the day. Uh, uh, and you know what the resistance was not? It, it didn't say, y'all got to quit meeting together and eating those big church meals. You got to quit that. You got to, hey, you, you, you can't be doing all those church things. You can't be taking a part. No, it didn't say anything about that. He said, y'all have to quit talking about the name of Jesus. You better hush your mouth and you quit speaking the words of Jesus. Quit spe preaching the gospel. The, see, the enemy knew that if they kept talking, he was in serious trouble. 
and there was the threat for them to hush their mouth. Everybody say, hush your mouth. The enemy wants to hush our mouth and keep us from testifying. And, and here's what it says about them. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, in other words, this thing was not just in what they heard, but what they saw in their life. It says they're uneducated guys. They're just fishermen. But man, they look like they got PhDs. These guys are something else. Listen, when Jesus Christ comes into your heart and you embrace the totality of what he's done for you and you begin to test to what he's done for you. I'm telling you, people will begin to notice. I have to go back to Raman Parsa's testimony. Because it's the, it's the last one I've heard it, uh, in a while. I mean, it's the, I have to go back. He's the first one. I, he, he went back to his mama. He was so full of joy. The first thing she said before he could say a word, what in the world has happened to you? She saw it. An effective testimony is vital, it's viable, it's visible, and of course, absolutely and teetotally, it is verbal. There's no such thing as a silent witness. You can't plead the fifth when it comes to your testimony about what Christ has done for you. It has to be verbal. That, hey, go back to Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the meditation of their testimony. No, they overcame him by the thoughts of their testimony. No, they overcame him by the word, the spoken word. Listen, it's got to come out of your mouth. It's got to be spoken. And when it begins to be spoken, I'm telling you something. Hey, whatever demon, devil, and hell you're fighting today, at you by the power of the spoken word of God, not just the I bind you devil, but the declared gospel of Jesus Christ. Just on a, just a, you want some, you want some old pastor Sam common sense theology? Here's some old P Sam common sense theology. Do you think if you and I will become great verbal vocal testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that'll stir up the devil a little bit, right? But here's old Pastor Sam's common sense theology because that's what Jesus called us to do is to preach the gospel, declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you think he might take a little... Uh, do you think the protection and hedge of God might just rise up around us when he sees that we're bo we're boldly declaring what he wants us to boldly declare? It has to be verbal. I love the New Living Translation of this Acts 4 where it says, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's what they told the, when the threats came. They said, but yeah, we can't, we can't stop. We can't, we gotta keep talking. They said, don't, don't testify anymore. It says, it says, we, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. The New Living Translation says, we can't stop telling people. I just can't stop. I just can't. I'm on my way to heaven. I can't stop. Jeremiah said this about the word of the Lord. He said I, he was receiving pressure to quit prophesying and declaring. He, he, he got tired of the, of the pressure and he finally, he, he said, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And then he said, it was like a fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't stop. I can't stop. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, preach the word. Everyone say preach the word. 
So it has to be verbal. An effective testimony, a life of declaring the good news and the gospel is vital. People are not going to get born again unless we share with them the gospel. It's viable. It works. Everybody say it works. You're born again because of the preached word. How are they going to hear without a preacher? Uh, we're the declarers. How are they going to believe in him and whom they've not heard? How are they going to hear without a preacher? Come on now. And then it begins to affect even the, our very life. It's visible. It's verbal. And And catch this. I'm going to kind of... I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth a little bit. It is voluntary. How many of you know that if you testify, it's not a forced testimony? God doesn't get you. The Holy Ghost doesn't get you and grab you and and put a headlock in you. Now share that gospel. Speak it out. Spit it out. Does he? He might convict you, but you and I have to volunteer to to step up and say, okay, I'll follow the leading of the Lord and I'll testify today. Interesting other side of this, it is the command of God. We have the command of God upon us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not the divine suggestion. It's the command of God to go make disciples of all nations. That means you got to preach it. You got to teach it. It has to come out of your mouth. But on the other side, it's voluntary. We're commanded, but hey, we have the choice to obey or disobey. Remember Isaiah? Let me back up to Psalm 110. He said this, your people shall be volunteers or volunteer freely in the day of your power. What was the day of the power of God? Pentecost, the church is born. In other words, when the church is born, the Holy Ghost comes, the church ought to be volunteering to step up and testify. Amen. Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. I won't sing that, I promise. The angel took a coal, cleansed his lips. And then the angel of the Lord, the declaration came, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Before I share Isaiah's answer, let's just ponder that. If God has a plan for our life individually and a, and a harvest for us to reap when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and He does, who else can do this? The angel said, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. I'll volunteer. We just need volunteers to share what Christ has done for them. All he's ever looking for. Listen, it's just a simple gospel. Thank God for the theologian. Thank God for the minutia of the word. Thank God for, for, for the, the truths that sometimes seem to be hidden until we study and dig and get deeper. But thank God for the simple gospel because if it wasn't a simple gospel, I certainly would have never been born again. Because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. How about you? It's the simple gospel. It's voluntary. And then finally, as we've said, the effective testimony is always victorious. Will always lead you to a place of victory. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Think about Peter, and we're going to close. 
Peter had been through the transformation of his life, the consternation of his life when he denied the Lord, and then the confirmation of his life on Pentecost when he gets up and he preaches the gospel. And thousands of people hear the powerful, anointed word of God. And it says 3,000 people rushed into the kingdom of God. It works. The gospel is a victorious gospel. And so today, there are still greater levels of victory for us to obtain. The prophetic declaration for the church, that's you and me. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. We can embrace that today and be a part of that grand crowd that are able to say, Amen, I was a part of that. I did my part. I overcame. We overcame. By the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, today we thank you for the gospel. For the good news. that you died for us, redeemed us with your blood, pardoned us with your blood, empowered us with the Holy Spirit, gave us your word to share, gave us the promise that your word would never return void. Just like the water comes down and the rain waters the earth and produces a harvest, so your word will do as we not only believe it and receive it, but begin to share it and testify to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today as we close this service, for each of us and even those who may listen by way of Facebook later, maybe watching right now, let's just begin to ask God and agree together that we will become an effective testimony of the life-changing power of the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you today. I want everyone in this room, just in your own way, pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for for the precious blood of Jesus that washed me white as snow and, Lord, empowered me and enabled me to stand up for you and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I trust you now that as I do this, this week, you will show yourself faithful. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.
Well, there you go. It's time to awaken the warrior within us. We've got a false understanding of this warrior. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's a, he's got a weapon of war, but they're not like, they're not carnal. They're not, they're spiritual weapons. Those guys talked about Gideon last Wednesday night. Man, they didn't have a weapon one other than the shout, a lamp, and a pitcher, and a trumpet. None of which seemed to be very effective. But when used under the directive of God, a great victory was had. You may feel incapable and unable. All you got to do is tell what you've seen and heard. And that your hands have handled the word of life. Let me tell you what he did for me. And look at this smile on my face, by the way. Whoo! There you go. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise today. Thank you, Jesus.